0: worth of knowing Christ because knowing Christ being in him that's what leads to to full salvation and that's what the resurrection of the dead refers to in verse 11 it's referring to full salvation that's what Paul longs for that's the prize it's all the blessings of everlasting life in their fullness the blessing of perfect holiness the blessing of perfect joy the blessing of perfect fellowship with God, unhindered, uninterrupted. But in verse 12, Paul makes clear that he's not there yet. He hasn't received the prize yet. He says in verse 12, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also... I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And he says it emphatically again in verse 13: Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul saying, I'm not there yet. I'm not fully perfected. I haven't apprehended. I haven't laid hold of that full salvation yet. And Paul knew that and he humbly acknowledged that. And so must me. And so must we. We're to press on. We're to toward the mark humbly. And that means confessing like Paul, you haven't arrived. We never arrive in this life. That's just reality. We never get to the place where we can say we've got it all figured out. We've been perfected. We've overcome sin. We never get to the place where we don't need to pray anymore, Lord, Father in heaven, forgive us our debts. We never get to the place where we can say, in this life, the battle's over. It will never happen in this life. Spiritual perfection for believers won't happen till death. When our souls go to be with the Lord, then we, then our souls, our spirits will be made perfect. And in the resurrection, then our bodies will be glorified and they will be perfected. and will be reunited with our souls and, and then it will be full perfection. But, but for now, here Today, that's not the case. We need to recognize that. We need to press toward the mark, recognizing and confessing that we're not perfect and will never be perfect in this life. No. Maybe you say, of course. We probably all tend to agree with that. We agree we're not perfect. We agree we will never be perfect this side of heaven. We nod our heads and, and we say, Amen. But that's not really enough. We're called not just to nod our heads and say, Amen, Paul. You're so right. I haven't arrived yet. But we're called to really believe it. That's the call. That's the challenge. You see, when we do that, when we really believe that we have not arrived, it will show. It will show in our attitude. Paul's been talking about our attitude in this book, Philippians, you think back to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verse verse 4, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. You see, if Christ, who was perfect, could humble himself, then, then so should we, especially us, who are not perfect. And then we won't be look we won't be going around looking down our noses at others. We won't be trusting in ourselves and despising others like the Pharisee in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. We won't despise those who have fallen into sin or perhaps struggle with a sin that maybe we don't, but that particular sin we don't struggle with. We won't impatiently dismiss their struggle as if it shouldn't be such a big deal. You just need to stop it. Get your act together. No It's not a humble attitude. It's pride. It shows that we really believe, in spite of what we might say with our words, that in some sense, we've arrived, that we've been perfected. Our call in congregation is not just to confess that we haven't arrived, but to really believe it and to live it out. in our marriages, in our relationships with our spouse in our family relationships, in our relationships with each other as church family, as fellow confessing Christians. When we really confess and believe that we ourselves have not yet arrived, that we haven't been perfected, that should affect how we relate to one another. It should change how we react to the sins and the shortcomings and the offenses and the wrongs that we think others have done to us. It should make us willing to overlook their faults. Should make us willing to bear with their weaknesses patiently. Knowing that we have our own weaknesses and our own faults. And when we do have to address them about something in their life. And and sometimes we do. But when we do, realizing that we ourselves have not arrived. Realizing that we also still have many shortcomings and, and faults. Should make us humble and patient and gentle and loving. Even as we seek to address them. To put it in the words of Galatians 6, verse 1, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, the spirit of humility and of gentleness. Pressing toward the mark humbly means pressing on, confessing that we ourselves haven't arrived yet and really believing and living that out. Maybe you're thinking, well, how does that help us press toward the mark? I mean, there aren't many people today I trust, I don't think, who would actually go around claiming perfection. That, that was the problem, seems to have been the problem in Paul's day. The Judaizers, they were they were claiming perfection even if they did, didn't quite say it in those words. But that's not so much an issue today. The issue today is more the opposite. The, the issue today is that people confess they're not perfect and they're okay with that. How often... People, maybe even we sometimes say or think something like, well, nobody's perfect. Or I can't be perfect to excuse their sin, to excuse their their disrespect, their their disobedience, their their pride, their their lust, their their laziness, their grudge against someone else. They admit they haven't arrived, but that doesn't bother them. But that's not what Paul does, does he? That brings us to the second thing. We see from our text about how we are depressed toward the mark, not just humbly, but earnestly. Paul confesses that he hasn't arrived, that he hasn't been perfected, but that doesn't make him shrug his shoulders. That doesn't make him complacent about sin. That makes him all the more earnest, all the more diligent to live the Christian life, to run the race of faith, to strive for perfection, for that full salvation. You look with me at what he says in, in verses 12 to 14. Again, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. There's his confession. But I follow after, and that word follow after is the same word in verse 14 as press toward. So I press toward, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, here's again the confession, I count not myself to have apprehended But here's the diligence, the earnestness. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see Paul's earnestness? Do you see his diligence? He says, no matter what, I keep pressing on. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, Reaching forth unto those things which are ahead. I press toward the mark. That's how Paul lives. That's how we are to live too. We're to press toward the mark. Humbly, yes. But earnestly. It means like Paul being single-minded. In pressing toward the mark. Paul says this one thing. There's one thing I do. I press toward the mark for the prize. Paul was like a a runner. Think of an Olympic runner maybe who's focused on nothing else but getting to that finish line and winning the prize. He has his mind set on that, on the things that are above, where Christ is, who is our life. That's where his focus is. His mind isn't set on on earthly things. His mind isn't set on the pleasures and treasures of this life. He's not veering off this way and that way, letting himself be distracted by the cares of this world. He's not laying up for himself treasures in heaven, or treasures on earth, rather, where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. No, he's laying up for himself treasures in heaven. He has set all his attention on that goal. This one thing I do, I press toward the mark so are we to be. The Lord has blessed us with spiritual refreshment. And giving us His Word and Spirit. And giving us this day. And giving us His Supper. And let us be thankful for it. But let us also now then show our gratitude. By giving ourselves up entirely to Him. By giving ourselves entirely to living for Him. to, to, To becoming like Him. Having been refreshed. Having been strengthened in our faith, let us get back into the race, run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, our eyes set on Him, the author and finisher of our faith. Let this be our one focus, even as we carry out all of our necessary responsibilities. Even as we may enjoy the earthly gifts that God has, has given us, and even as we may make plans and all of those, those things, in all of that, Let this be our focus, our one aim to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We're to press toward the mark earnestly, single-mindedly, but also wholeheartedly. We're to be wholehearted in our pursuit of the goal. That means refusing to rest in how far we've come refusing to look back and, and, and slacken our pace. That's what Paul means when he refers to himself as forgetting those things which are behind. He means he doesn't rest in how far he's, he's come. That doesn't mean he, he denies the reality of growth in his life. No, he doesn't deny, he doesn't despise his progress. You'd be wrong to do that. You see, any progress, any growth, even just another day of faith, even just another day of faith, another day, of walking with Christ. Another day in the Christian life, another day of holiness, another day of Christ's likeness is a result of God's work in us by His Holy Spirit. So to deny that or to despise that when it's there, however tiny, however marred it may be by our own sinfulness and corruption is really to dishonor God. The Bible doesn't say we should ignore what God has done in us. When we see God working in us, we should be thankful to Him. And, and pleading with him, Lord, continue that work and, and, and deepen that work. But we should, on the other hand, when we see what God has done in us, we should not be content with that. We should not rest in that. Our response should not be to put up our feet and say, well, that's, that's far enough. That's good enough. No. Forget the things that are behind. Don't be like, don't be like the hare. Who thought he was far enough ahead. could take a nap. Press on. Press forward. Refuse to rest in how far you've come. Have you been enabled by God. Maybe to overcome a particular sin. Praise God. But don't rest in that. Did you receive a measure of comfort. And of of peace. A sense of the presence of God. In the Lord's Supper this morning. Thank God. But don't rest in that. Have you received a greater sense of assurance and salvation than you have maybe had previously? Praise God, but don't rest in that. Have you had wonderful times of communion in, in Bible reading and in prayer with the Lord? Thank God, but don't rest in that. Have you grown in love for God and others in this past year? Praise God, but don't rest in that. Don't become proud. Don't think you've arrived. Don't be content with where you are. And if you say, Pastor, that's not my problem. My problem is I'm not as far as I want to be. My problem is I'm not as far as I should be. Don't be discouraged. And don't give up. Keep fighting the fight of faith. Keep running. Keep pressing on, forgetting the things that are behind. That's what it means to press toward the mark wholeheartedly it means forgetting the things that are behind but it also means reaching forth unto those things which are before just like when you're running or you're you're biking in a race and and you strain forward and you give it all you've got to win that race or or like when you're sometimes I, i think of this sometimes when you're merging onto highway three these merge lanes here are so short and you see the cars coming behind you and you You've got to get on the highway and you, you push the pedal to the metal and you strain forward. You go, you go, you go. That's the picture here. That, that, that's how we're to press toward the goal for the prize, the prize of perfection, the prize of full salvation, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're to put our whole heart into it, straining forward, stretching out our hands for the prize, reaching, reaching, reaching forth under those things which are before us which are our heads. You're a Christian, that's our calling. That's our calling as Christians. It's my calling. It's, it's what God himself calls us to. He calls us, it's his calling, you see. He calls us to strive for perfection, to strive, no, we cannot be perfect. And it's not to, to, to merit his salvation, but out of thankfulness to God, and because that's the goal, that he calls us to strive for perfection, to strive to be conformed to the image of Christ. To strive for the prize of full salvation single-mindedly and wholeheartedly. And that means, congregation, that we should not be content to be an average Christian. We should not be content to idle. We should not be content with the status quo. We should not be content with our current level of holiness, whatever level it is. Or with our current amount of faith or love or to press on. We're to grow, grow, Peter says, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to put sin to death. We're to live for God. We're to pursue holiness. The issue is not how fast you can go. The issue isn't even how far you can get in this life. You may feel yourself to be more like the tortoise and the hare. It can sometimes seem like you haven't gotten anywhere. And you're not getting anywhere. That's often how it can feel the longer you're a Christian. When when you first become a Christian, the finish line can sometimes look so near. Perfection can look so close. But the longer you go on, the longer you go on the Christian life, the more the Spirit works. The more sin and the more unbelief. He covers, he, uh, he uncovers, he peels away the layers. And the finish line, in a sense, seems to get farther and farther away. Do you have that? But don't let that discourage you. Let it encourage you. Let it motivate you to press toward the mark all the more humbly and all the more earnestly, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching, reaching, straining forth unto those things which are ahead. I'd love to do that to keep pressing toward the mark humbly and earnestly. We must also guard against the things that might distract us, including also disunity. Disunity. And that brings us to our third point. We're to press toward the mark for the prize, the prize of full salvation, not just humbly, not just earnestly, but also unitedly. We've already heard the call to unity. In the in, in earlier in Philippians, especially in the first few verses of Philippians two, but it, it comes up again here in, in verses fifteen and sixteen. And look at what Paul, or what the Lord through Paul says here. He says this: "Let us therefore, as many as be perfect or mature, be thus minded." In other words, let us press toward the mark humbly and earnestly. And then he adds, "If in it." if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained. In other words, whatever progress we have made so far, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. The main thing, congregation, these two verses are saying is, let's press toward the mark together. Let's press toward the mark together. Unitedly. In other words, all Christians, all Christians, all believers are to share in this goal, to press toward the mark for the prize of full salvation. It's not just the pastor's calling to press toward the mark. It's not just the calling of elders and deacons, although as office bearers we should certainly be examples of what that looks like. But it's not just our calling, it's your calling. It's the calling of every Christian. It's the calling of the whole church. Pressing toward the mark for the prize is a rule we are all to live by. In a way, you could say, you could say it should be our vision. It it should be our mission statement as a church. Our mission statement should be this, to press toward the mark, the goal for the prize of full salvation, humbly, earnestly, unitedly. That means... That means we should also be working together. Let us mind the same thing. Don't let minor differences divide us. We should not be letting holding grudges against one another, congregation. We should be working together humbly as a team, caring for one another, supporting one another, helping each other, encouraging one another. Yes, also sometimes rebuking one another in love. In love. Especially if someone is hardening themselves in sin. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14 exhorts us to warn the, them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. And be patient toward all. The point is when a fellow believer stumbles and falls. Or veers off course. Or is attacked by Satan. Or becomes discouraged by trials and temptations. Or is going the wrong way. Let's not pass by them on the other side. Let's not ignore them. But let us stop. Let us care for them. Let us help each other on the way to glory. Let us press toward the mark together. And maybe you say that this is also hard. It can be. It is, really. It can be hard not to be discouraged. When when we look at maybe how little progress we've made, when we see how much sin remains in us still, it can be hard not to get discouraged. It can be hard not to despair. How can I press toward the mark with confidence? Confident that I'll make it. Confident that one day I will finish the race and receive that prize of full salvation. Well, if it was up to us, if we were left to ourselves, there would be no hope congregation. But it's not up to us. It brings us to our last point. We're to press toward the mark confidently. Yes, Paul's humble. You see that in his mission, in his confession, that he hasn't yet arrived. And you see that also when he says in verse 12, but I follow after, I press on if that I may apprehend or take hold of that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. That if, like the one in verse 11, if by any means, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, that that reflects his humility, that reflects his distrust of himself. Paul had a healthy fear of himself. He recognized that in himself he would never make it to the goal. Yet that didn't keep him from pressing toward it with confidence. What enabled him to do that? What gave him the confidence to press, to- or enabled him to press toward the mark confidently? What enables us to press toward the mark confidently? Well, two things. For one, the calling of God. Paul refers to that in verse 14. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had been called by God. God had called him. He had stopped him on, his road, on the road to Damascus and had called him from his life of sin and unbelief to salvation by faith in Christ. And Paul knew. He knew that God's calling could not and would not be reversed. He knew, as he says in Romans 8, that God's calling to salvation is rooted in God's sovereign and gracious election and unchangeable election. And he knew that whom God did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, Paul knew that whom God did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. In other words, Paul knew that his calling to salvation was a link in the unbreakable golden chain of salvation. That would end in glory. He knew, and he knew that the God who calls is faithful. That he will ensure that those who he calls will not only be justified, but that they'll also be sanctified. And that the one day they will be glorified. And Paul knew that God is faithful. That God would lead him on. And he hints at that in verse 15, really, when he says about the differences between Christians that he, he inserts that little phrase like, that God if, if, if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You see it's, it's really just another way of saying what he said in Philippians 1. God who's begun a good work in you he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The calling of God enabled Paul to press toward the mark constantly. Even when he could look at himself and see so little, really nothing in himself. And it's the same with us. We look inside ourselves and we see nothing. I can't make it. You can't make it. So many obstacles when we look inside ourselves. God has said, the mountains shall be made a play because he will do it. But there's another encouragement in our text and it's in verse 12 where Paul says, I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So Paul speaks here of his goal To apprehend, to take hold of the prize, the full salvation that awaits. But what gives him the confidence, what gives him the right to expect that prize is that Christ has apprehended him. Christ has taken hold of him in order to give him the prize for which he longs and strives. That's what gives Paul the confidence, you see, to strive on, to press on. It's not Paul's grip on Christ. It's Christ's grip on Paul. And that is our confidence. When we are Christians, when we are believers, what an encouragement that is. Especially when we understand and we feel our own weaknesses. Left to ourselves, we can neither progress nor persevere in pressing toward the mark even a single moment. But we are not left to ourselves. We are not in our own hands. We are in the grip of Christ. We are in His hands the nail-pierced hands of the one who died to bring us to God, to bring all his people home to glory, to give them eternal life. And you know his promise, right? No one, no one can pluck my people, my sheep out of my hands. That's why we can press on we can press toward the mark for the prize with confidence. Not because of our grip on Christ, but because of His grip on us. And so as we leave the arbor and we continue on, let us press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And let us do so humbly Let us do so earnestly. Let us do so unitedly. And let us do so confidently. What if you are here? What if you are here and you're not a believer? You're not a Christian. You've never entered the race. Well, you know where you're pressing on to. You're pressing on to eternal destruction. To eternal death. And so our text really calls you. If that is you this evening. It calls you to come. And to believe in Jesus. To come and to know him. It, because in him alone there is full salvation. Complete salvation. Eternal life. And he offers himself to you Today. In the gospel promise that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's his promise. Then call upon him. And come. And enter the race. It's a race so worth running all your life long. Because it's a race that ends in the prize of everlasting life. Life with God. Yes, life. With Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give thanks for the riches of the gospel in Christ. We give thanks for the calling that high calling, that upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Help us, O oh Lord, as we leave the arbor to press on toward the mark. Give us the strength, O oh Lord, we, we can feel so weak in ourselves, in and of ourselves. Lord, remind us that in you there is a the power of the resurrection. And help us to go forward then in the strength of Christ, relying upon him, relying upon the Holy Spirit. And help us, O God, to put to death our sins, to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires, and to live for the will of God in obedience to you, persevering in faith, running the race, looking unto Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the comfort that we are in his hands. We pray that those who are here don't know that comfort. And even as they hear these words, they would be made envious. They'd be made envious of what we may have in Christ, that they would seek it. They would count all things lost, all things, the world all its treasures, all its pleasures, everything, loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Forgive, O oh God, all that was sinful in this day. Wash it away in the blood of Christ, and take us to our homes in safety. Help us in this week and all of our responsibilities. May none of us meet an unprepared death. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us sing together Psalter 381, 381, all the verses. receive now the blessing of the Lord and put your homes in peace and we'll sing Psalter 420 420 verse 5 as the doxology. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.